Hello and welcome everybody to the third episode of Down South IT Podcast. My name's Clark and I want to thank you for listening. Don't forget you can come back, go back, and check out our past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and also the Google Play Store. The podcast is all over the place and it's ready for you to listen. Uh, as always, don't forget to check out the Facebook page at Down South IT. Please like the page, follow, and share if you don't mind. Uh, I'd like to try to get the, grow the page a little bit, so please share it with people that you think might like it. Also, you can find lots of helpful articles there, some good old-fashioned funny pictures. So please take a look, comment on something you want me to cover in future episodes. And of course, as new episodes come out, or if I expand the program into different forums or platforms... I'll post that on Facebook as well and announce it on the podcast like I usually do. So, today's episode came about because I have a family member that's paying way too much for cable, internet, and phone. And she asked me to kind of research what it would take for her to cut the cord, so to speak. Because she's looking to try to save a little bit of money. And I know a lot of people in that same boat. But a lot of people don't know exactly where to start with it, you know, so I thought that would actually be a pretty good podcast. So, hence, here we are. So today, we're going to run through a little bit of the basics of getting that big, gigantic cable company off your back, or satellite company, depending on what you have. And hopefully, try to get you into doing something that may save you some cash in the process. And we're going to go through some of the hardware, some of the services that's out there, um... I can't go through all of them because there's so many, but I'll pick the top few. Um, I'll throw in a couple of wild cards just in case you decide you want to take the plunge that you might have to look into. But uh, do keep in mind that becoming a cord cutter doesn't mean cutting your in- internet connection. So that's actually going to be required for all the services that I'm going to talk about a little bit later. First things first, what exactly is cord cutting? I mean, it can mean a few different things, but... The definition that kind of suits what we're going to talk about today is a cord cutter is someone that drops traditional satellite or cable TV providers and uses alternative methods to view content via the internet or even for free using a HD antenna. So, and me, myself, I actually, I'm a cord cutter. Uh, I dropped my cable provider about three years ago and really and truly haven't looked back since. Uh, I don't even miss regular cable, to be honest. Uh, It is a big change from regular cable. It's not going to be the same as turning on your TV and there you shows. There's a little bit of a process, you know, using each individual service and app. But it, it will take some getting used to. But in most cases, the savings and the content that you get will far outweigh the aggravation of trying to set it up and get it going. So the other good part is with a lot of these streaming services that's out there now, nothing's under contract. So the longest service that you're going to have is the month that you already paid for. So you can cancel and go month to month, try one service one month, cancel it, go to another one the next month. No harm, no foul. It's awesome. There's also no pre-approved packages for you to get roped into. So you can set up as many of these services as you want you can only do one you can do two you can do all of them it doesn't matter you can mix and match to best suit the needs and what you want to watch that's why streaming is awesome so going forward i'll be talking uh we're gonna start with hardware 
I'm going to talk a lot about several services and devices that are available right now. And just as a disclaimer for the rest of the show, I have not been and will not be paid for any of the manufacturers or companies for these devices or services. And by talking about them for the rest of the show, we'll be in the context of a review only to discuss features and pricing accordingly. Uh, I'll also disclose which ones I currently use. And that way there is full transparency. Now, first thing you want to check with your cable or satellite provider is whether or not you're still under contract. A lot of these places, especially satellite companies, they lock you in to a two-year contract. And if you decide to break that before like the last month or two, there's usually a buyout that you have or you know charge that they're going to charge you which is i mean it could be upwards of 350 dollars. that's not a drop in the bucket you want to double check on your bill to make sure see how many more months you have or how much time you have left on your contract so you know how to go ahead and start looking at some of these other services so when you're ready you can transition smoothly from cable or satellite into the streaming arena each company's contracts are a little bit different. You know, you got to double check your fine print and stuff like that. But throughout anything that you do with any of these companies, when you do cancel your, your service with them, and this is just for your cable or satellite service, like I said before, all of these uh, services that I'm going to talk about later are all internet-based, so you will need an internet connection. Make sure you return all their equipment. They're going to charge you for all the equipment that you don't return, and I guarantee you that stuff is not cheap. That includes all your cable boxes, your DVRs, and a lot of cases, the dish itself that's up on your roof, you might have to go get down and send them, send it back to them. And even all of the cables, power adapters, everything. Now, AT&T and DirecTV is probably one of the easiest when it comes to returning all of the equipment. Basically, you can just bring all your equipment to a UPS store, give them your account number, and they will box it up and send it back to AT&T on your behalf and they won't even charge you shipping, which is awesome. So Dish Network, actually, they will send you a shipping label once you cancel your service. So you cancel your service, you go through, and they know what equipment you have. They'll give you a list, and it's basically an RMA, a return material authorization, and a shipping label. You just box it up in one box and drop it off to UPS or FedEx, either one. Now, whenever I cut mine out, I'll, I had Cox, but Cox is real similar to Charter and Comcast. They do have physical stores that you can send stuff back, uh, that you can just go drop your stuff off to, and they'll credit your account. So that, that's actually not too, too bad either. Once you know that you're not under contract, or once you cancel and you do get rid, and well, not get rid of, but send all of their equipment back to them, then you can start looking into hardware. And basically this means that you're gonna need a streaming device that can hook into your TV to display the content. Even if you do have a smart TV, which a lot of smart TVs are, are out now, uh, Samsung has theirs, LG has theirs, I still say it's probably better to go ahead and look into getting a streaming device to hook to it, just for the fact of if you wanna to get to good content and to get to a lot of different content, the manufacturers for those smart TVs, their apps are good, but they don't have a whole lot of them. So to be able to get to the most content, it's better to have a streaming device in addition to your smart TV. Now granted, there are some good 
smart TV apps, and they do have some of the same basic apps that you you know that you would use like Netflix and stuff like that. For the most part, if you want some of the other services like uh, Sling and PlayStation View and stuff like that, you know, a few few other ones, those manufacturers don't have those apps built into that TV or available for download. So to be able to get to that content, you can't get to it just using your TV. Whenever you look toward mainstream streaming devices, there's only a few really at the top of the game right now, and that's really going to be a Roku, Apple TV, Chromecast, and Fire Stick from Amazon. Now, each one has a couple of different versions, and each version has different features. So you're going to have to kind of look into each one and see which one's best for your budget, which, which one can display the content that you want. Most of the top-end versions of these players will play 4K content. But if you don't have a 4K TV, then you can still get it, and you're future-proofing yourself later on if you decide you want to upgrade your TV or are going to upgrade your TV you know, fairly soon. So, But just keep in mind that if you don't have a 4K TV and a 4K streaming device, you're not going to get 4K content. you got to have all three. It's kind of a trifecta. Whenever you're looking for streaming media players... What do you look for? Well, to go through those, you have the Roku devices, which they have a bunch of different models. They range anywhere from $29 all the way up to $90. Uh, again, the, the higher end on all of these is going to play 4K content. Of these, probably the $50 Roku stick is going to be the most popular. Uh, you do have the Fire Stick, which is $40. You have Amazon Fire TV, which is $70. And you also have the Amazon Fire Cube, which is 120. So even the Fire Stick has a few different models. Uh, Chromecast has a couple of different ones as well. They have the regular model, which is 35, and the Chromecast Ultra, which does the 4K content and everything as well. But the trick with Chromecast is that it has to pair to either a phone or a tablet, Android phone or Android tablet. And basically you find the content that you want to play and you will cast that content from your phone to your TV. So it's kind of an added step if you're looking into Chromecast. Now Apple TV, their device runs between $179 and $200. Both of those, basically the difference in price is going to be the difference either in 4k and uh, i think the 200 model had a little bit more memory on board but the good thing with apple tv is you have access to all of the itunes content that you could want just like with fire stick you have access to you know all of the amazon content straight from that device so but once you have a device that you like then you can start moving into what content do you want and this is where it's going to kind of take a little bit of research on y'all guys' part. You got to double check and you want to see what, what each service offers. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of each one. Um, by the way, most of these have a free trial. Most are going to be for about a week, five to seven days, give or take. I think Netflix has a one-month free trial. You can go ahead of time and try all of these services. Try it for a week. See if you like it. If you don't, guess what? Move to another one. No big deal. That's what free trials are for. The good thing about doing that is you can find one that really like that you like, one that you you comfortable with, and one that has the shows and or movies that you want to see. So you can pick and choose what you want. That's the best thing about this. There's no wrong answer about any of this as far as devices, anything, nothing. 
No wrong answer. Your choice. You can do what you want. That's why it's awesome. So we'll go ahead and as far as services, uh, since I currently use this one, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start with Sling TV. Between this one and PlayStation View, they're both pretty close substitutes for regular cable or satellite service. Sling is really intuitive. It's, it, it has a really good on-screen guide. It's laid out well, and it makes sense. Pricing for it starts out around $25 for 27 to 29 channels. And then there's also add-ons. You can do different channel packs uh, for 5 bucks each. Or, you know, they have, they have premium channels also. But there's a couple of different subscriptions with Sling. There's the orange, which is the smaller package, and then there's the blue, which gives you 40 channels, or 40 plus channels, and they both give you the same basic channels, but they've got a few differences. The blue package has, has a few more and a couple of different uh, networks, and also the sports channels are different. The ESPN is associated with the orange pack, so if you watch more ESPN stuff or you know SEC Network, ESPNU, that kind of thing, if you into that more of that then you want to look into the, the the orange pack now if you go the or the blue pack that's your fox sports fox sports one that that whole section of uh sports so they they have a few a few more fox sports channels than they do well i take that back espn got a ton of channels and with your subscription to e either one you can sign in with your sling id to get on the ESPN app, so anything that the ESPN plays, you can get to it. Anything on the Fox Sports Network, you can get to it, you know, depending on which subscription that you have. Both of these also have a cloud DVR function. So if you can't live without a DVR after you cut the cord, there is that service. That way, every show that you have becomes on demand for every channel, and it's only five bucks a month. I mean, you can't beat that. So uh, the other cool thing with Sling is depending on your internet speed, it automatically adjusts. So if your speed isn't the fastest on one day, and you know it'll automatically adjust the quality of the picture so that you get the best picture for the speed that you, ha that you have. But whenever you're going through, there's also a setting on there where you can set it to only work at a certain speed, and it won't go above that. So if you have data caps, if you're watching on your phone a lot, if you use a mobile hotspot with unlimited, unlimited in quotes data, that's only 22 gigs per month and you need to watch your, your data limit, you can limit that in the settings and it will only play you know, up to a certain speed. So you can kind of keep control of your data. So that's, all, that's cool too, I like that. Um, and that actually helps me because whenever I'm out on the road for work, hotels are notorious for having horrible, horrible speed as far as internet goes. They'll have free Wi-Fi, but it's not the greatest Wi-Fi on the planet. So Sling TV will actually work in the hotel rooms that I go to, even with bad connections. You just might, I might have to turn it down a little bit, so the quality might not be great, but at least it plays smooth and it works. So that's something to think about too while you're thinking about that. Also, with both of those subscriptions, they do allow you to buy both at one time. So for so it's basically $55 total that you can do the orange and the blue packs. So you can get all of the channels if you want. So there, there's that option too. I forgot to mention that a little bit earlier. Now going through it, uh, PlayStation View is the second one. Now, first thing, 
you do not need a PlayStation console to use PlayStation View. It's just View is the platform. It just so happens that PlayStation is the one that's create that created it. So they're using their network <clears throat> and everything to be able to bring you that content. I'm sorry for if I call for anything like that. I'm still a little bit under the weather. So if I call for anything like that, I'm gonna try to edit as much of that out, out as I can before I post the episode. Keep that in mind. I'm still not up to 100% yet. So, but anyway, back to back to PlayStation. So you don't need a console to use PlayStation View. This one also has a bunch of different uh, price packages, anywhere from $45 a month all the way up to $80 a month. And those will go range in channels from 47 channels all the way up to 93 channels. And that's before you even start adding on any extra channel packages. So this one's a little bit more as far as the cost goes, but you do get a few extra channels uh, as opposed to Sling. But the downside is that the internet speed recommended for PlayStation View is quite a bit higher. They recommend 10 megabytes per second. Uh, so if you have a kind of slow DSL connection that runs around six, you might want to kind of steer clear of this one. Uh, it'll probably load and buffer a lot. And trying to watch a show while it plays for two minutes and then buffers for another two is annoying as hell. And I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. PlayStation View does have a cloud DVR option as well. Uh, it'll keep the shows on their DVR for up to 28 days. I did try do the free trial on this one a little while back, and the content was good. It played fine. I never really had an issue with that, but I, I have crazy fast internet speed over here. The The thing that I really was kind of weirded out was was the layout. It was kind of hard to find stuff. It was there. There's no really guide per se. And trying to find something to watch, if it wasn't kind of on that front screen, you had to scroll through a lot of stuff, and it was it was just a, a it was a big hassle. So it, I mean, they may have they may have changed it over, since last time I tried it was about six months ago. So they may have gotten wise, and whenever I did cancel, I did tell them that they needed an actual guide. So I did their little survey and gave them my two cents and plus another dollar and a half. Overall, like I said, if you can get around the layout and kind of learn to use how it's set up and everything, then I don't think it would be a bad option. That's one of the things that, I mean, if you're going to use it every day, you may get annoyed with it. And, you know, it, I, I can see it happening. I, I, I'm like that myself. I just, if it's something's annoying whenever you got to sit there and do it day after day after day after day, especially knowing that you don't have a contract or anything and you can drop on a dime, why not? <laughs> you know, just give it a shot and they'll say you might like it. They may have cleaned up the interface since, since I did it, but it's one to try just because they got a lot of channels and you do get a, good, a decent bit for your money. Now, going forward, the rest of these, I wouldn't say are going to be a close replacement for cable, but they do have a lot of shows, a lot of movies, and you can get your fill for your shows and stuff, even though it's not live, quote unquote, TV. Another service that I use and I'm signed up with is Hulu, and it starts off at eight bucks a month. Uh, at the time of this podcast, they do have a promotion going on that the first year is going to be six dollars a month, and then after the first year, it'll go back up to the regular price of eight. So cheap is good, right? You know, a couple of bucks here and there never hurt anybody, and also, like I said, they got a free trial too. So 
why not give it a shot see what happens now as far as the service itself it's easy to use finding the recent stuff that they just posted is really easy since most of it is right there on your home screen when you start i do like that you can set up profiles for each person in the family so they can mark what shows they like and you know save different ones and based on what you like hulu will find specific shows and stuff like that they'll they'll introduce you to different things that they have on their platform that they think you will like and seen a few shows that they actually suggested for me that i did like so i'd, I'd assume their algor algorithm works pretty good now if you're trying to find a specific show or something from a specific channel uh, their search option is the best way just to save time trying to navigate the new layout that they put out I want to say maybe nine months to a year ago is a little bit of a challenge but once you get the hang of it it's not bad I like the old layout a little bit better it was a little bit more straightforward and easier to get around you can see more stuff the way it's laid out now is basically each show has its kind of own page and while in theory it's good and it looks good it really does it looks good but when you're searching through and trying to find something to watch the more that you can see is better to me like if you can see six or eight shows ahead in in one ribbon it, it makes for a lot easier searching but like i said it's it looks better but and it's not hard to get around you know just personally i prefer the old layout now as far as content goes hulu is really their thing is tv they got a lot of good tv shows um they pull tv shows from a lot of the, the big uh, primetime networks they do have a lot of original shows too that are really good so they do produce original content just like a lot of the other ones netflix and amazon they all do uh original content hulu does their own too and if you're okay with not seeing shows the night that they air then hulu might be a good choice for you just for the simple fact that say your favorite show airs on monday by tuesday it'll be up on hulu they usually have stuff up the next day if you absolutely have to watch a show the night that it airs then you might want to look into some um, a more live you know tv like the view or sling tv to if they have your channel but if you can do with waiting a day to be able to watch your show then hulu is definitely a good option because everything that they put up is going to be you know good quality is going to have bhd they will have a couple of commercials thrown in here and there, but it's they only do commercials for like 90 seconds. So it's not the six or seven minutes worth of commercials that the regular networks do. So you get a lot less commercial time and a lot more TV time. Now, Hulu does have a pretty good section of movies. Um, they do have some of the new releases, but a lot they do have a lot of older movies and B-movies too. But, I mean, overall, it's a good service. You can always find something to watch. I wouldn't use it as a default provider but if you use it in conjunction with like sling or or playstation view or netflix or something else it's a solid option now granted they just started a live streaming service and it's 50 channels and the channels are dependent upon your location so depending where you're at in the country as to what channels you get and it's 40 dollars a month for the live tv but that price does include access to the regular side of hulu so it's kind of two in one is basically live TV for $32 and then you pay the $8 for the regular Hulu. I haven't tried Hulu live yet. It does look interesting. I may try it here soon. I'll post something if I do try it just to, to give you my uh, opinion on it. But if I was starting from scratch, you know, doing a cord cutting, 
I would probably look deeper into it just to see what content they offered and stuff like that. If they had a lot of the shows that I watched and the channels that I watched, then yeah, I would go. I'd probably go for it hook, line, and sinker because that's 40 bucks is cheap. So from there, we'll move on to Amazon. Uh, Amazon's also a lot like Hulu. Uh, they got a lot of TV shows, a lot of movies. Uh, they do a lot of original content as well. But the difference with Amazon is a lot of it is part of your Amazon Prime subscription if you have it. Some of their content is not part of your Prime subscription. So depending on what content is part of Prime is whether or not it's free. And if it's not free, they do give you the option to either rent or buy the co the digital copy outright, which is kind of cool. Uh, the Prime subscriptions, 13 bucks a month. If you do monthly, $100 a year uh, if you pay it all at once. But even with that, you do get a lot for the money. The free two-day shipping, deals on Kindles, uh, deals on book downloads, access to all of the online content, free streaming music, you get discounts and stuff like that. So you get a lot for your Prime subscription. I've had Prime for about a year, and I got it mostly for the two-day shipping. But I hadn't even really scratched the surface on all of the content that they have on there, the streaming music or the mu the movies or anything like that. I mean, it's just they got so much. So between that and all the deals that you can get as a Prime member, it's kind of the icing on a really big digital cake. For the last service, uh, you can't talk streaming without talking about Netflix. This was the original streaming service. And they're mostly known for their movies. They do have a lot of original shows that they produce. They Netflix produces so much original stuff. And they do it for just about anybody. Getting around on their interface is pretty straightforward. I mean, it's really intuitive. They do have 4K content also. Um, they've got three different price tiers. Uh, $8 a month, $11 a month, and $14 a month. And depending on which tier is to how many streams you can do at one time and the quality of the content. $8 a month is going to be one stream, so you can only watch one show at a, at a time and, and nothing in HD. If you bump it up to the $11 one a month, then you can get HD content and you can watch two screens at one time. And the top tier, that's where you get your Ultra HD and 4K content, and you can watch four screens at one time. And also with the increase in the quality, so the higher you get up on that HD scale, you got to make sure you have the download speed on uh, for your internet to be able to handle it. Uh, if you have a 6 meg download speed, you can probably keep up with an HD content. But if you want to get into the really high def content, the 4K content, Ultra HD, then you're going to need at least 20 meg per second or better. Uh, and that's just for one stream. If you're on their, their top tier and you're doing two 4K streams, you need at least 50 because it eats a lot of bandwidth. So you're going to need that. You're going to need that speed. So you want to consider that too as to, you know, how many TVs you're going to have running at one time, uh, watching that service at once. And then you also want to look how much you want to spend. Uh, right now, they do have a free uh, free one-month trial. So, you know, you can give them a shot, and why not do Netflix and chill? Why not? Okay, and lastly, what about the local news and local sports? Your tried-and-true local channels that you grew up watching. Well, to get to those, you're going to need an antenna. And there's not quite the old rabbit ears that have graced the boob tube for generations, but the new ones do work pretty similarly. And the best part about using an antenna to get your local channels, everything your antenna picks up is free. Absolutely free. You pay nothing, not a bupkis, nothing. 
Everything's free. The only thing that you come out of pocket for is the antenna itself. All the new HD antennas that are out, they pick up the digital broadcast that your local TV stations broadcast to their viewing area. What you want to look for when you're looking for an antenna, besides, besides the price, is you want to look at the mileage rating. Each one will have a mileage rating. It'll say it's a 30-mile antenna, it's a 50-mile antenna, it's a 60-mile, whatever. Uh, you want to double-check and see which one will suit where you live. Now, this part is going to be, you're going to have to do a little bit of research on this also, because you got to find out how far those stations are from you. So, thanks to the handy-dandy internet, there's a web page for that, just like everything else. So, you can go to antennaweb.org, A-N-T-E-N-N-A-W-E-B.org, and you put in your zip code, and it'll tell you what channels are available in that area. Now, given this does come with a pretty big caveat, those mileage ratings that are on the box, when you're looking at an HD antenna, that's for optimal conditions for an antenna that is 30 feet above the ground. So unless you plan on putting that antenna on a 30-foot pole and have absolutely flawless conditions outside, you won't get 30 miles out of that antenna. So whenever you're looking at mileage ratings, you always want to over-anticipate. So let's say for the sake of argument, the stations that are closest to you are 30 miles away and they have a 30 mile antenna will it work more than likely yes but will the signal be reliable it might not be like i said these are for ideal conditions with no obstructions and then the signals can be blocked by anything trees tall buildings humidity in the air i mean just anything anything can weaken that signal coming from the tv station so when in doubt always over adjust as far as your your mileage that you look for in your antenna at least go 20 miles further than what the stations are so if you got stations that are 40 miles away look for a 60 mile antenna it's better to overcompensate that way you know your that that signal is going to come in strong for you as far as where you want to put your antenna now they do have indoor antennas and if you are fairly close to a tv station an indoor antenna would work fine behind your tv but anything further than say 15 or 20 miles i would look into getting a bigger antenna and putting it in your attic or you know or mounting it inside your house uh, to get the best results uh, the easiest way to set it up especially if you're doing the indoor ones you put the antenna up behind the tv plug the antenna into the tv and that's it now, granted, if you're going to go with the bigger antenna in, in your home and you had cable or satellite service before you decided to cut the cord, there should be cabling running through your wall already. And you can reuse that cabling. You can actually find the splitter that distributes the cable or satellite signal to each of the rooms. And once you have your antenna mounted in your attic, plug it into the input on that splitter and then that'll distribute the antenna signal throughout your entire house. So it's, if you can find that, that splitter, that's your best way to go about using it for multiple TVs. Now, granted, it may be either in the attic or it may be in crawl space, but that's something you kind of take some, some doing to find. But once you found it, it's easy to hook into. And that way you, it's a lot less you got to do later. Because trying to pull cable through a wall is not easy. It's not for the, the novice. Once you have your antenna plugged into your TV or plugged into the splitter and it's going to the rest of your house, all your TVs and everything, you're gonna to wanna to make sure that you go through and scan for your channels. 
because just because the antenna signal is getting to your TV, your TV still has to scan to find out which channels are available. So usually in the settings, in the settings menus, there's usually a scan for channels or scan channel scan or something along that line. Uh, you may have to look at the manual for your specific TV to, to, to see exactly which choice it is. But once you find it, scan for your channels and you always want to scan for all. That way it will pick up any analog stations that are coming across the airwaves and it'll pick up any digital channels that are coming across the airwaves. So you'll pick up both. The digital channels are gonna be a lot more prevalent and the quality of them is gonna be a lot better, but they do still have a few analog stations out there. So just in case, it's always better to search for both and that way you can catch everything that you, that's close to you. Now, it will take a few minutes for the TV scan to finish. It, I mean, it could take between five and 10 minutes total for it to go through all of the channels and add them. But once you're finished, there you go, you're done. You can watch all you, anything that your antenna is picking up. You can watch. Very easy and very free. That's always a good. That's always a good word. I love. I love the word free. Now, one other thing too, you want to keep in mind that is that if at some point you do have to move that antenna, say you move it from in the attic in front of the house all the way to the back of the house, or if you in one room and then you move it to another room and put it on a different TV, you're going to have to scan for channels again so it can pick up the channel. The placement of those, it may take a couple of times doing it, you know, try it in one place, scan and see what channels you get. If you get a good signal for them, if not, you can move it, scan it again. It's best to do it all at one, you know, all at one time, just kind of do it two or three times to get the best placement of it. So it may take a little bit of doing, but once you do, you get your free programming and you can just sit back and enjoy. And speaking of enjoyed, I enjoyed doing this podcast for you. I did. I do hope you you guys listened and uh, got a little something out of it and hopefully kind of give you an idea of what it might take to get that giant gorilla of the cable company or satellite company off your back and move into a new world of digital content. Now, please don't forget to check out the, the page at Down South IT on Facebook. Like, follow, share the page, please, if you don't mind. I will be forever grateful. Uh, you can stay up to date on news, new episodes, funny pictures. I always post funny stuff on there having to do with tech and some good memes and stuff. So you can always check that out. You can also email me at DownSouthIT at gmail.com with questions, concerns, or suggestions for future episodes. I want to know what you guys want to hear about. If you want me to touch on a subject, let me know. That That's the only way I'm going to be able to... I can't read minds. I wish I could. That'd be kind of fun. But I, w- I want to hear from you guys. So I want to make sure that I'm covering stuff that you want to hear about. Uh, you can also find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. So it's all over the interwebs. I just wanted to make it easier for you guys. So whatever platform you're most comfortable with, you can find it. Uh, just search Down South IT Podcast on either, any of those platforms and you should be able to find it and you can listen to any of the back episodes at your leisure. Again, I want to thank you for listening. I do appreciate you guys taking the time and uh, checking out the podcast. And always, I always like to end, to paraphrase Albert Hubbard, technology can replace the work of many ordinary people, but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. And I'll catch y'all next time on the Down South IT Podcast. See y'all later.